welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody. I'm Tristan Riddell. And I'm Charlene Schmidt. And this is Punch It! Episode 31. And boy, are we coming back to familiar and comfortable territory, but also at the same time, exciting, which is exactly how I describe Gilmore Girls, because today we are talking about Season 3 of Gilmore Girls. That's right, Charlene Schmidt has made it all the way through Season 3 and is just about to start Season 4. But I said, hey, hold up. Char Lynn Schmidt, do not go into that into the quietly into the dark of the night with season four. Let's talk about season three first. <laughs> okay, for starters, it's really weird when you emphasize the syllables of my name. <laughs> <laughs> I also I also totally quoted the poem wrong. I was like, so it was it was botched all around. That's all right. You know that this is going to the ether forever. We can't take it back now. Yes, I finally this one took me a little while finished season three of Gilmore Girls. And so if you're wondering why there's a huge gap between seasons two and three, the real reason, you know what really happened that interrupted my watch was the fact that my Wi-Fi router does not like to play with my Blu-ray player anymore, which is how I used to watch the episodes because I would turn on Netflix on there and I'd watch it downstairs on my nice big TV. And now my Blu-ray player, I mean, it's a hunk of crap. It doesn't want to communicate with the Wi-Fi anymore. And so unless I move the router downstairs and connect it with the cables and all that, I don't get to watch it downstairs anymore. Plus, my husband, Patrick, does not want to watch this show with me. So it's one of those things where I have to watch it on my own time, which I don't have that much of. So about halfway through the season, I took a little bit of an intermission and it was inadvertent. But because of these circumstances, that is what happened. And I finally... Finally, just got myself going again and just reinvested myself back into Stars Hollow. And I agree that it's such a comfortable, happy place. And a lot was going on this season. Felt good to get back into it. And I'm excited to be talking all about it today here with you because you love this show. You've watched it a million times. I do love the show and I have seen it a million times. And actually, I do want to jump back because I am such a techie that I have to address this. To anybody who is having issues with uh, watching Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or anything like that on their Blu-ray player or on their smart TV, that's because they're almost always garbage. It's true. Save up just a little money and get a Roku, get a Chromecast, or my recommendation is an Apple TV. Get one of those things and uh, you'll be able to stream Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff a little bit better. And whatever isn't available, like the reason why I like Apple TV is because whatever app isn't available on the Apple TV, usually you can get it on your phone and then just throw it from your phone to the Apple TV. And that's that's Good what I do. And it works great. I never have any issues or anything like that. So I definitely recommend that for people who can't afford it or look for the sales or save up some money because it will save you a lot of frustration. <laughs> I can attest firsthand the level of frustration, and you're absolutely right. The Wi-Fi Blu-ray players, they are all crap. Like, if you go and look at reviews on Amazon, they are all this way. They all suck. 
I almost got another one, then read the reviews and um, no, same problems. So I have noted your suggestion Seriously. in my mind and maybe if the finances can afford it so, maybe we'll get ourselves an <laughs> Apple TV. All right, so with season three, getting back on track, uh, the original release was September 24th, 2002, all the way to May 20th, 2003. And uh, how about... Well, actually, do you want to give kind of like a synopsis of the season? Do you want me to give like just a quick recap? How, how, how do you want to play this? Or do you want to talk about your general uh, impressions first? Maybe I start off with a general impression of the season overall and what I thought of it in terms of quality. And then I think based on uh, maybe some past experience where Gilfus and I have covered Babylon 5, it might be good just to go through each of the characters and discuss what happens on throughout the season that way as a whole. What do you think about that? Well, I don't want to say no, so it's completely up to you. Okay, well, if I have to make the executive decision, that's how I'd like to do it. Okay. I was channeling my Emily Gilmore there. That is what I want, and we're going to do it this way. Okay, so general opinion and impressions is this is a very strong season. I feel like the show has definitely come into its own. These characters are established. They are going on I feel like a very definite course, like you kind of know which way maybe these characters are going, but it's not so predictable that it's boring by any means because there's plenty of twists. It's just these characters know who they are. That's what I'm saying. And so then mm -hmm. you throw in some interesting things like, oh, by the way, this is going to be spoiler filled. If you watch the show, if, if you've not watched the show, and you do not want spoilers, this is not the podcast for you because I'm going to discuss everything. Okay. <laughs> okay. So things like the the inn catching fire and stuff like that yeah. kind of turns everybody upside down. How are they going to react? What is this going to make them do? It's a lot of fun watching these things kind of unfold. And of course we have romantic drama with the various men coming in and out of the Gilmore Girls' lives, and the tension with Emily and Richard between Lorelai and sometimes Rory, but Rory is the peacemaker, and we see her take a huge step at the very end, where she's basically trying to not only take care of herself, but her mother. A lot of development here, a lot of growth, and I'm just really excited to keep on going at this point. Those are my general impressions. Okay, so you believe that the characters have kind of solidified themselves and you're excited about where they're going and there's the family drama is as big as it always has been, if I could summarize your opinions there. <laughs> yes, uh, it kind of fluctuates in and out, but it's always, you know, it's never over. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe uh, let, if we start with Lorelai, there's always the recurring, bringing up the whole thing with her and Christopher and reopening that wound whether it's Lorelai interacting with Christopher and things are good or things are bad, or if it's where we are going to talk about uh, the relationship with Emily and she just can't understand why this isn't working and blah, blah, blah. Why can't these kids get it together? I did find it interesting that they had a unique angle on this relationship in season three, where Christopher's new wife is having the baby and it's giving all these flashbacks to when Lorelai got pregnant. Mm -hmm. You know, we know this story, but we're getting some rich details here. And that kept it interesting. And it shows just what a horrible, painful scar this is for Lorelai. Like what she went through as opposed to what Sherry is going through. And the way Christopher is reacting to that and all that. And how that hurts Lorelai. 
so even though they kind of keep going back to this whole thing, it's still interesting because they're giving us new stuff. Yeah, I really enjoy that aspect of it. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because, you know, where we left season two is they kind of made it feel like, oh, maybe Lorelai will get together with Chris, but then they pull that out of the rug at the last second and then realize that Sherry's pregnant. And so we have that to deal with. We set up that drama to move forward and Rory kisses Jess, but then she tries to pretend like it didn't happen. So (laughs) these huge monumental things, but then they try to reset and unlike Star Trek Voyager that utilized the reset button, Gilmore <laughs> Girls can't use the reset button, has to move forward. And so with getting those flashbacks, I really enjoy that because we get to see young Lorelai and young Chris and a younger Richard and Emily <laughs> and everything like that. And yeah. the, the how much tension and how much strain this is on a family, not just on Lorelai, but the family itself. And one thing that I think movies and tv really does a disservice to reality is when they showcase teen pregnancy for the most part i'm not saying there's always exception to every rule Uh but for the most part you get like a 25 year old actress to play a 16 year old or 15 year old or something like that Mm -hmm. and then show them going through this and you're just like oh okay it's ellen page you know like whatever you know sure yeah yeah but my wife works with high schoolers, and I, so I work with high schoolers a lot through her. And being around 15 and 16-year-olds, they are babies. Like, you do <laughs> not understand how how far they are to babydom than they are to... Like, even though they're technically only two years of, away from adulthood, bullcrap. They are <laughs> babies. So when seeing that scene, seeing a young Lorelai and thinking about some of the 16-year-olds I know from my wife's work, I'm just like, oh my gosh, if they were going through this, it would just be so atrocious for them and hard on them and and right? curtail their, their hopes and their dreams and the same with their families. And, and it's just, it really hits at home harder than if you don't know a 16-year-old. Because for the longest time, like... The only time I I knew any 16-year-olds was when I was a 16-year-old. And you think that you're a big adult when you are 16 because you have a driver's license. It's true. When you're 16, you don't think you're a baby. You think you're getting things together. Or you're really cocky and you think you're invincible and you can handle anything. But yeah, as you get older, that is why teenage pregnancy is such a big freaking deal. Because it does turn not only the lives of the soon-to-be parents now upside down but their families as well it creates a lot of turmoil yeah and what is this baby gonna go through what is this unborn child gonna have to go through and what kind of life are they gonna have and like thankfully in this fictional example you know everything turned out great but it's it's still this event is uh, one of the many reasons why there's so much drama going around with their family relationships now i'm not saying everything would have been rosy if this didn't happen No, I don't think so at all. They had a rocky relationship. Yeah. Yeah. This really put a wrench in things, though. And to Lorelai's credit, yeah, she did get it together enough to raise an amazing daughter who has it even more together than she does somehow. (laughs) That's how good of a job that she did. But actually, one other thing that I found really, I don't know, really fantastic and rich in terms of reopening this old wound one more time is seeing more about where everybody was coming from. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just about Lorelai. It's not just about Rory. We see how this affects Emily and Richard and Christopher. 
and we can understand a little bit about why they're all doing what they're doing, which is good storytelling. Yes. So I appreciated that very much. So speaking of which, uh, before we go through another breakdown or anything like that, what did you think about, because this is Punch It, what did you think of the writing of season three overall? Pretty stellar. Pretty decent. Uh, you know, no show is perfect, so I do have a couple of things that I thought maybe that weren't so great, even if I can't understand why they did what they did. But overall, I would say this is as strong as the show has been so far. It's pretty high in my book. How about you? What do you think as the veteran here? I think this is very solid. I think this is very solid storytelling. It did kind of get a little kind of soft in the middle, uh, like some seasons do. You know, like, because mm -hmm. you have a lot of seasons that start off strong and then they kind of plateau and then dip down a little bit. But then there's an upswing once they start developing more drama towards the end. Yes. I think season three is a pretty good example of that. I absolutely agree. That is, in fact, my big complaint is that there is some stalling with some storylines and then they let it all. They turn over all the tables for the finale. Yes. And I think the reason why is because everything's building toward. Okay, let me just say it this way. Season three is the season where Rory and Dean break up. Yep, it sure is. This is a big deal in the show, and everybody watching for the past two seasons have been waiting for this to happen because we all know that nine times out of ten, you're not going to end up with your first boyfriend or for first girlfriend. You know, like, that's just not going to... No, and even if Rory wasn't admitting it at the time, she's totally head over heels in love with Jess for most of the season. And so that like that's a big build-up because it doesn't happen in the first episode. They don't break no. up in the first episode. And so you're wondering, oh, when is it's just a question of when. Right. And it's not the fact that it's going to happen. It's how do we get there and why. Exactly. And so when that happens, when we build to it, we're going towards the breakup. Once we finally get there, it's like, oh, man, that could have been like a mid-season finale, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like by the time we get there, we realize, okay, this is cool. So we're establishing what Jess and Rory look like. And I think while we were establishing that, it got kind of repetitive. It got kind of boring. A little bit. But at the same time, I did appreciate that it was actually Dean handling things a little bit. Because I think I said this in the last podcast, Rory's emotional growth I would say is a little bit at a deficit when it comes to relationships. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's trying really hard, but she's also not, I don't know. Sometimes I think she doesn't like confrontation and the, these are big confrontations when you're doing serious interpersonal, let's figure this out kind of things. And yeah. so Dean is the one who says, look, I know you're not into me. We can move on now. But, and she's like, but, but, but still kind of trying to play both sides against the middle because she's not completely sure. But right. once he erases that denial, then things can keep going. So thank you, Dean. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was episode seven called They Shoot Gilmore's, Don't They? And this was the, the, the dance marathon episode. Yes. Where they all dressed like it was in the 40s. But I loved that episode. I loved the, that the whole town is getting involved. I love that Bebet and uh, and her guy are just like, okay, I'm done. Let's go. Like they dance for five seconds and then they move on. And yeah, yeah. That's what I would have done too, by the way. Oh, same here. And I, everything about it was so Stars Hollow. And <laughs> It really was. This town, you either, I mean, it's like either so corny you love it or you look at the place for five seconds and you just think, I'm out of here. 
yeah, and Jess was being a jerk, and of course, and just, this was. I felt like this was very realistic, where the guy who's the jerk who wants the girl and knows that the girl is into him, but yet really wants to flaunt it in front of the boyfriend. Like he just hangs out there. He doesn't, and he uses his girlfriend as a he uses his girlfriend Shane as a prop. Yes. And then Rory just can't ignore him because she has feelings for him. Like I've I've been through this before, you know. Like I've I've seen this happen before, whether to me or to my friends. And so I it's seriously related to this episode. And it was just this. I love that ending shot of Rory and Lorelai holding each other on the dance floor. Yeah, it was just it was such a great and powerful moment. And so, so before we transition into another character, I think we should talk about Rory a little bit more because. A lot happens to her, even regardless of Jess. Oh, yeah. What did you think about Rory's scholastic career? Because that's always a big thing about the show. It's Rory going to school and where is she going to go to college and how is she going to get there and everything like that. What did you think about that arc? Yeah, okay. Let's delve into this because it's Rory's senior year at Chilton. So this is already a big deal. And, you know, you just kind of expect things to basically go out with a bang because... Up until this point, Chilton has been one of the big things about Rory, about this show. I mean, the show gets started with the whole thing about the dinner nights and the loan for the money to go to Chilton. You know, it's a, it's an important thing. It's almost like Chilton is a character in the show. And we're, we know that there's going to be an inevitable goodbye. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Skipping to the very end, in the finale, Rory's the valedictorian. Uh, and and I, I love the fact that... I love what Paris and Rory say to each other. They say something on the lines of, you know, for most of the time, I really hated you. And then uh, whoever follows that is, yeah, feelings mutual. And then they hug. Yeah. That is their relationship right there. <laughs> I I hate that I'm about to use this word. Ooh, okay. I, I'm going to hate myself probably a good week after utilizing this word. But whenever I hear this godforsaken word... Rory and Paris are the first people that I think of, and that is frenemy. I knew that was going to be the word, and I can't believe you're going to hate yourself over that. You could have done so much worse. I freaking hate that word. I think it's a destruction of the English language. But it's oh, are you so, kidding? It's so applicable to these two. I feel like they could have originated the word. Because that's the thing, is that they're <laughs> up and down, they're up and down, they're rivals, they're friends, they hate each other, they like they kinda like each other, they're allies, they're not, you know, and it just goes all over the all over the place. But at the same time, it's believable. It's weird. It is strangely. Yeah, it really is. It makes it kind of fascinating, even though that too sometimes feel repetitive, like, oh, they're fighting again. Okay, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. At, at the same time, though, it is realistic, and especially for teenagers, and especially, I hate to say it, teenage girls. Girls like to get a little bit catty, mm -hmm. and Paris has an ego, <laughs> oh, yeah. and Rory is her nemesis. It's only natural that this is going to happen, so you kind of have to understand that that is the context that's real. So for the past two seasons, and, and also the third season, Rory's been the Harvard girl. She's got Harvard flags all over her walls. Yeah. She, she's been talking about it since she was five or four, I think. And she Long knows, time. She knows everything that there is about Harvard. What did you think about Richard trying to get her to go to Yale? When I was watching that episode, I'm thinking, Richard, what are you trying to do? But then once that happened, it got set in my mind of, again, this Harvard is a fixture in the show. She's not going to go to Harvard. That is way too predictable. 
So there we go. She's going to go to Yale. What did you think about that? Like, what did you think about what Richard did? And what did you think about them ultimately deciding not to have the, the writers not to have Rory go to Harvard? At the time, I thought Richard, I couldn't completely understand it. Like, okay, I get it. That's your alma mater. What are you really trying to do here? Why are you trying to steer Rory in another direction? But then later on, for whatever reason, it made a lot more sense of, look, even though you've had your mind set on Harvard, Rory, you really should explore other options. There are other schools out there, and maybe there's another school out there that's just as good, but better for you. And ultimately, I was okay with the idea of her choosing Yale because she chose it. As long as she decided for herself, it was like, okay, cool, go wherever you want. I don't care about Harvard. You care about Harvard. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it because it was unexpected and because it kind of goes against the grain. And it's not one of those things where it's not like Luke and Lorelai getting together where you have to do it because everybody wants it so bad that there would be a revolt with the Harvard thing. It's just kind of like a, oh, okay, all right. You kind of like you subverted our expectations. It's an okay thing. Yeah. To subvert your fans' expectations, not all the time, but some of the time. So this is one of those good times. What Richard did and how he did it by tricking her into meeting with the dean or or, or whomever it was. Yeah. Um, I was furious with Richard. I was like, this is disgusting. You're better than this man. You love your granddaughter. You should have treated her with more respect. And Yeah, like, Richard, why are you doing this? Why are you disrespecting your granddaughter's ambitions this way? Why are you trying to sabotage them? That's how it felt. It was weird, and I've worked in education for a while, and I currently work for a university, a prestigious one, and I interview a lot of people who are influential alumni, who are people like in Richard's position, uh-huh. and they talk about dynasties all the time, about how, yeah, my son and daughter is going to go here, my granddaughter just graduated, you know, like stuff like that. You know, they love talking about that. They love talking about that. So when I saw Richard do this, I was like, this is very believable. It's a dick move. But it's very believable. <laughs> I'm glad you used that phrase because I was afraid to go there because we do try to stay somewhat family friendly. But that's definitely one of my phrases. <laughs> but it was. It totally was. But you, yes, you are right. that when, Especially with really high and prestigious schools, the family line where each descendant goes to college, that is A, a tradition, and also B, it's really freaking important. Yeah. So yeah. that does make some sense. But also, I mean, if you even take it down a notch, how often do high school seniors end up getting into the college of their choice? Now, of course, Rory is lucky. She could go to any school that she wants. Yeah. But a lot of times, most of us, we have this the dream school that we really want to go to and maybe we get in. And then we have to explore the other options because what if we don't? You have to consider all of your options and make the best choice for you. And oftentimes, it's not your top choice. It's not your ideal choice, but life gets in the way and you end up doing something completely different because it ends up just making more sense. Now, I feel like we kind of skipped over Lorelai a little bit. So how about we go back to her? Okay. Let's turn it around. Lorelai. Okay. So Lorelai, not only is her romantic life is always a mess, but I feel like well, it's, of course, yes. it's <laughs> particularly a mess in season three and kind of directionless and rudderless. Yeah. So let's talk about the Independence Inn. Okay, yeah, this is a big overarching theme for this season. So, yeah, there's the whole thing where we, uh, 
Oh, gosh. Was it season two where they kind of find the dragonfly in? Yes. And think, oh, my gosh, if we bought this, we could turn this thing into a gold mine. And, of course, the owner does not want to sell it. And then that lady dies. Now, <laughs> I did think it was a little tactless oh, yeah. of Lorelai and Suki to be forcing that issue at the funeral. <laughs> Ladies. This is one of those things that I think you argued about in season one where certain setups were pretty sitcom-y. This was yeah. definitely a setup that was very sitcom-y. Oh, ouch. Oh, just, I cringed the whole way. I thought that was horrible. Did you notice the Trump reference? I might have at the time, but I don't have it in my notes. I've forgotten about it now if I have, because I'm trying to erase that that entirety of that name out of my mind. <laughs> it was in this episode that we're talking about where, like, when they finally discover that the Dragonfly Inn is available and, like, Lorelai goes to Suki and says, you'll never guess who owns the property to the Dragonfly Inn. And Suki just kind of lowers her head and says, don't tell me it's that bastard Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I had forgotten about that. That's funny. I liked this storyline because I like that when people get what they want. I, I like I like it when the characters are happy. You know, like I'm one of those people who <laughs> I like because I've stor studied story structure for so long. I understand that you need drama in order to tell a story. You need conflict in order to engage totally. your audience. But there's so many times when I'm like, why can't everybody just be happy and kiss and run <laughs> through the fields? So I definitely did like that they were able to buy the dragonfly, but I thought it was a little convenient how things happened. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit. Because midway through the season, the Independence Inn catches fire, and a good half or more of it is unusable yeah. because of the fire damage. And then things kind of stall out for a little bit, and then right at the very end, we learn that the inn is going to close. And so now... The safety net is gone. And what They're timing. out of jobs. Yeah. They don't have any money to buy the dragonfly in. And that's why Rory going to her grandparents who have the means, I think has such a good impact because it's not Lorelai asking for money. She has too much pride. She just does not want to go that route ever again. But this is about Rory getting what she wants, but in turn also getting her mom what she wants. Mm-hmm. Or, or, I don't know, maybe giving back to her mom in an inadvertent way. Because Lorelai has given so much to her, this is the way she can give it back. For I mean, for an 18-year-old, it's pretty freaking genius, if you ask me. <laughs> One criticism that I have about this show, and this, this is all seven seasons. Okay. This is something that really kind of reared its ugly head in season three and will continue for the rest of the show. And I'm not really spoiling anything. It's the power of money. Mm -hmm. And money is often treated as a superpower in Gilmore Girls, and it can come out of nowhere with no warning, and it can solve all your problems in an instant, or it can create a whole new set of problems. Money is used very much as a DOS ex machina in Gilmore Girls, and it never stops. Out of nowhere, mm. like, people will be in a dramatic situation, and, like, Lorelai will be crying, saying, I don't know what I'm gonna do! And then five minutes later, somebody's like, hey, I just had an uncle who died. You're like, what? No, this solves all my problems! There's a lot of things wrong with Gilmore Girls, but that is probably the most blaring thing that I'm just like, ugh! Come on, like, let's let's weave it in. Let's weave it into the storyline. Let's Let's tease it. Let's not just drop it into the audience's lap. Sure. However, that does give you 
your happy ending at the end of season three because everybody is happy. I know. I can't have my cake and eat it too. <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. But that is the trouble, of course, of having the elder Gilmores being so affluent. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, I mean, it does. It creates that great dynamic of they live a completely different lifestyle than, frankly, the rest of us. But at the same time, you are right. That is a deus ex machina. And it does just seem to happen to inch its way in there right at the very last minute. Every time. Yeah. I totally agree. But on the flip side, on the flip side, I do like how sometimes the rich, the affluent, can use it as a weapon. That too. And Lorelai knows that. Yes, and, and exactly. Lorelai knows that. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people call them out and say, like, I'm not going to let you influence me just because you have money i'm gonna live i'm gonna lead my life the way i want and i don't give a damn about your hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything like that so like i do like when that happens when the styles of the rich blow back in their face yeah but i also think that is a part of why lorelei is so resistant to get help from her parents sure they'll loan her the money there's always strings attached lorelei knows that and she really hates those consequences I do get it. I mean, we've seen her go down this road enough times, and that is also why she doesn't want Rory to do it, because she feels like you're going down the same road. This isn't good, honey. Don't do it. But it was her decision to make. Okay, so one big development. I mean, you may not understand how big of a development this is, and I'm not really spoiling anything for you. Okay. But Lane finding a band. (laughs) Actually, I did think this was a big deal because there was finally some character growth for this poor girl. You will see that this is one of the best things that they could have done for this character. Okay. And it makes sense. She loves music and takes it upon herself to not only learn how to play drums, but to get to the means to do so and find a place to practice. And it gives her some freaking courage. I mean, she dyes her hair for what? The whole of a half an hour? That's a big step for her. (laughs) And I like it because in season one and season two, Lane was very much just trying to be a kid, like just trying to be your your quote unquote average American. And her mother wasn't letting her. And so it was getting kind of redundant and repetitive. And you're just kind of like, okay, we've done this storyline. Now, in season three, they didn't really change that. But what they did was they gave it direction. They gave her focus. Yes. The difference is, is she has a goal now. Yeah. It's not just, I'm a kid and I'm sick of being oppressed by my psycho, crazy, overprotective mother. It's, I have found my calling and I've got to make this happen. So, yes, I will take your word that it's huge because I already think it is and I have no idea just how much bigger it's going to blow up. Yeah. So I'm excited to know that that's going to have, rather that that's going to continue. All I'll tell you is that they take it to some interesting places. That That's all I'm going to say. Uh, okay fair enough all right so like with the grandparents let's go back to the grandparents okay there were some ups and downs with them as always their relationship would bloom and then it would wither it would bloom oh always and then it would wither that's actually another (laughs) another thing that kind of bugs me i'm just kind of like it sucks because i it's sad because i i go for the past 10 years i've been going through that with some very close family members of mine well they're not close that's Mm. the problem is that they're close in blood but they're not close in my life. And there yeah, were emotionally. Yeah. There was periods through my, my life. Actually, I guess more than 10 years, more, more like 20 years where we would see them and see each other, you know, like and stay in contact and it would be great. And then there'd be a falling out. 
years would pass and then we'd reconnect it'd be great and then we'd have a falling out and then years would pass and i think the reason why i can give it a pass in gilmore girls is because i've seen people go through it i currently am going through it probably until i die which is the sad part Mm -hmm. but at the same time i think the reason why i'm still not okay with it is because it is season to season it's week to week (laughs) it's you know month to month where it's up and down up and down up and down This is actually a problem I have, too, where I feel like if they need to add a little bit of drama to the story at any given point in a season, they just make Emily fight with Lorelai or something like that. Right. And I totally see why these two would fight, why there's so much tension. But at the same time, it does feel repetitive. It does seem petty. And honestly... This season, I feel like Emily is more at fault than Lorelai. Do you agree with that? Uh, it's hard because I feel like both of them do selfish and petty things. And I feel like everyone takes their turn. It is hard for me to give an exact explanation as that because I'm kind of avoiding giving an opinion because I'm trying to remember. <laughs> like, there's so many catfights back and forth between Lorelai and Gilmer, uh, like Lorelai yeah. and em- Emily, that it's hard for me to keep track exactly. Yeah, no, it's true. One thing that I thought was a little weird, or one thing that I will blame Emily for, is how aggressive she was with Lorelai when she tried to give them the money for Rory's tuition. I thought that was such a... Oh, paying back. Paying them back, yeah. I I thought that was... Oh, yeah. You know what? I think that's the big basis of my criticism of Emily this season. Because yes, there's always the catfights, and yes, it's not just one person instigating it. They both participate fairly evenly, but I understand that Emily feels like she's going to be at a loss. She's going to lose those Friday night dinners, which she really deep down absolutely has loved. Mm -hmm. But she came off like a complete ass. It's true. It's true. Sometimes sometimes they make Emily pretty fiendish, like pretty abrupt. Uh Uh-huh. And I understand that people can be like this where they can just fly off the handle. You have the Jekyll and Hyde scenario, and that is very evident with Emily. Like, there are are certain times, though, that I think they kind of take it too far where you're just like, where did that come from? Yeah, I think that might have been one of those instances, especially in this kind of relationship where things are up and down. But I do feel that doing the Friday night dinners... They maybe are both trying to understand each other a little more. And I'm talking Emily and Lorelai trying to make peace and especially for their granddaughter. And it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. But you think there would be an overall trend, either up or down, and it's not. Yeah. You know, you think they would be patching things up, but then the moment things do heal, it's like, nope, no, nope, we're we, we hate each other now. So, uh, okay, let's. I don't know. The thing is, is in my real life, when I've seen this kind of familial tension, it's one of those things that doesn't completely go away. Where you have an incident, you might forgive, but you don't completely forget. Yeah. And so there's always underlying tension. So you either repair that so you can move on, or it just keeps building up and then something's going to explode. So I don't know if that's what's going to happen again for Lorelai and Emily, but right now we're at a weird... We're at that weird plateau of, it's like we're having little earthquakes, but we haven't had the big one yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. The big one does happen. Oh. There is, I, I, and I'm not ruining anything for you, but there is, actually, it might have happened more than once, but there, there is maybe one big one or a few ones where you're just kind of like, 
wow, that is scorched earth. Holy <laughs> crap. Like it, it, it wow, makes it. All right. I'm not spoiling anything for you because I feel like almost every show has something like this with a volatile relationship. But I remember like later on in the show, you're just like, I would turn to my wife and go like, yeah, uh, we would be done. We would be done if this happened. Wow. Okay, so the you-know-what really does hit the fan. That actually makes me feel a little better knowing that it is going to continue to brew. So these little things are going to add up. They matter then. It's true. Like, we have to give the writers of Gilmore Girls this. They they do make it matter. Like, these things do culminate. They don't come out of nowhere. And it's not just bitchiness back and forth between uh, Richard and Emily and Lorelai and Luke and Roy, whatever. You know, like, it, it actually does build to something where there has to be catharsis afterwards. So before we kind of close out, I, we do we definitely need to talk about, even though these are main cast people, uh, I think less kind of happens to them a little bit. And so we're definitely not going to spend as much time on them as we do with with uh, Lorelai, Rory, or or the Gilmores, or Lane, or anything like that. So let's talk about Luke. Let, let's talk about him real quick. We got to talk about Luke. You got to talk about Luke. Luke's my favorite. <laughs> How about that season opener? Okay. You remember this? Like, who cares if it was a dream? And, and we knew it was a dream, but it was still entertaining as hell. Oh, when uh, so we see uh, Lorelai and Luke living together. And then he... <laughs> she's pregnant with twins and everything is so ridiculously sappy, hunky dory. You yeah. know, it's fake, but you're just like, well, then. OK. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that made my that made my heart leap when I saw that because it's like, oh, yeah. OK, it's going to happen. Yeah. You think, my goodness, what happened over the summer? Yeah. We yeah. missed a lot. We have a lot of ground to cover. And then you realize, ah, uh, you got me. Jerks. <laughs> so. Besides that opener, do you feel like a lot happened to Luke this season? Not really. I feel kind of like it's uh, middle of the road. He's sort of with this other girl. There's still tension between him and Lorelai. He's still dealing with Jess. Things are just still kind of up and down for him, and he's in a state of flux. But he's not going in any particular direction yet. That's how I feel. How about you? Yeah, he definitely felt like a caretaker of his own story. It was very much like he was just kind of holding down the reins until the Gilmore girls kind of got their stuff together. And <laughs> agreed. And so I I kind of I don't really dig on this season because he's Luke is so invested in what Jess is doing and where Jess is and where Jess isn't and mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm not a big Jess fan and it just <laughs> I don't know like I just didn't really like where he went with his relationships. It just I don't know. I just Maybe I'm remembering wrong, but I just remember not thinking that he had much to do this season. Yeah, I mean, he's lying low this season, for sure. And you know what? To be honest, that's okay. You know, not every character gets the spotlight all the time. So, that's true. That's all right, true. that's fine. Now, you mentioned Jess, and you mentioned that you were not a big fan of Jess. So, no. what about when Dean beat the crap out of Jess, because by this point in the season, or even the series, man, I found that cathartic, because I think a lot of the audience felt the same way. Jess had just kind of been shitty, and we don't completely know why. And so I was starting to feel like, you know what, it's time to let this Jess thing go, this facade um, of him being so wicked smart that he's too good to play by the rules, it was getting old, we needed more. And we didn't get it until the very end, but I'm so glad that we got it when Jess went to go 
live with his father, or at least attempted to. And his father says, I can't. No, you're not. I can't have you here. And I'm not your father, and you can't even crash here. And Jess says, I have nothing. (sighs) And so finally, we get Jess to be upfront and all of that. And it was like, okay, finally, this character grew the way we needed him to go. Just a little. I love that it was a high school fight, and I love that it was at a party. Of course. And I love that it spilled out onto the lawn, the cops came, and, you know, like, I love- So dramatic. I loved the aftermath more. I loved how the girls reacted to the aftermath the morning after. I I loved that. Mm. I think that was, that was, that was, wait, oh, crap, was it, did I just give away, like- Wait, what, what episode was the fight? No, in? no, that was midway in the season. You're oh. not giving anything away. Okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'm all jumbled around. But yeah, like, I loved just like Lorelai walks around with her coffee, like, what happened here? What's going on? And <laughs> yes, in pure Lorelai fashion. Yeah. Well, I think we came to a very core truth about Jess this season is that he's been running scared this whole time. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have a whole lot of guidance, he does not know what he's doing, and he is begging for direction. The strange thing is, is he could have had it in Stars Hollow, but he chose not to. Maybe because that was not him finding his own way. So I think him going out to Santa Monica was that attempt. And I don't know, maybe you can tell me, do we find out what happens from here? Or does he just kind of fall away into the ether now? I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> I had to <laughs> but try that. I will tell you, because I'm pretty sure that I told you this before, that that episode to him going to Santa Monica was a backdoor pilot for a Jess-centered show. Oh, yeah. I think you might have told me, you know, in iMessage or something like that. Oh, I did thought, I? It wasn't on air? I don't remember now, but uh, I can't believe that was the idea. Also, side note, Santa Monica is not nearly that hippy-dippy as it's portrayed on the show. What? <laughs> People have this weird stereotype about California, and yes, there are some hippie types, but it's not all like that by any means at all. What the heck? Well, actually, the, that's <laughs> Santa Monica is the reason why the show didn't get picked up is because even though they actually signed him on for the show and they were they were like, okay, let's do this. Let's try a season. Uh-huh. It was on the books. But then for some reason, I don't know why this was a revelation to them. They're like, you know what? Uh, Santa Monica is a bit expensive to shoot in. Uh, we probably <laughs> yeah, can't. Yeah, I bet. Like some bean counter was just like, we probably can't do the show there. And they're like, oh, we already shot the episode and it's going to air on Gilmore Girls. They're like, oh, well, there you go. That's all we can do. It's done. Yeah. No, can't do it. Oh, fair enough. I don't want the Jess and Santa Monica show. <sighs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh. nah. Slip that, my wrists. Uh, oh, God. That That's okay. I I, mean, I think Jess is a is decent where he is at as a supporting character, as one of many characters. We don't need him to be the star of the show. Now, the actor, I'm, he's talented. Let him go on to other things yes. and be the star of that. <laughs> so one more note I have about Jess is... It's actually about Rory because when she makes the phone call or when she's talking to Jess, he's not talking back. She just basically just dumps out all of her feelings in this so-called conversation. This, I think, shows a nice jump in emotional growth for her from the last season. This is a thing for Rory. She's expressing herself. She's articulating herself. She's being forward. And then she's the one who just says, I'm done. Later. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. It's Go great. Rory. It's about time, girl. So true. So true. All right. So <laughs> rounding out the episode. Yeah. Suki. Suki. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. I mean, she's pregnant. There you go. 
that's what we need to know about Suki. Moving on. Yeah, she's pregnant and she gets the dragonfly in with Lorelai. That's pretty much all we need to know. She's the yeah. The support oh, there was friend. Max. Made a few cameos. Uh, we resolved that storyline. I hope because if he returns again, it's going to be so redundant. I liked Max. I'm glad that they resolved the storyline. I I thought it was nice to see him again. But I I'm with you. It was. It's time to move on. Yeah, and Kirk. How many jobs does this guy have? <laughs> I don't even Okay, I have this in my notes. He's the mailman. He's a cashier at the salon. He's an entrepreneur, a really horrible hockey game announcer. He's an inspector. Does he really run this town, Kirk? It's, it's the gag, man. That's the... Ugh. That's the, awful and I hate him. That's the entire point of <laughs> Kirk. That's, that's his thing. Ugh, Kirk. Go but anyway, away. so there you go. There's season three. So, I mean... Yeah, we could go on, but uh, this has got to be a nutshell here. <laughs> so out of the three seasons that you've seen, which one have you enjoyed more? Has it been one, two, or three? It's been three. It's building really? the momentum. And you know what's kind of interesting is going into season four, I feel like if they've ever created an opportunity where they need to change the direction of the show or do a soft reboot or add some new things to the show it's going into season four and i'm not saying that they need to but what they did is they created an entry point to change pace if they want to because there's going to be so many new beginnings occurring at once rory's going to go off to college lorelei and suki are going to get the in together uh, it's going to be a whole lot of new things so i'm really excited to find out where things are going to go from here well, I'm excited for you to find out as well. So thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been a fun episode, and we would love to hear what you guys think of Gilmore Girls Season 3. Are we off our rockers about anything in particular? Do you think that this wasn't a very good season, <laughs> or did you think it was the best season ever? What you can do is you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select Punch It from the drop-down menu, send us a note, send us an email, let us know what you think. And as always, we ask you, please go to iTunes and write us a review. If you give us a five-star review, we'll mention you on the show. Shar, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter. My handle is oh the profanity. And if you talk Gilmore Girls with me, remember, all I have seen as of yet is through season three. No spoilers, please. No spoilers. And you can also find me on Twitter at the Insane Robin. You can find the show on Twitter at Join Nerd Party. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all over the place. Search for us. You can find it. Next week, it's not going to be Gilmore Girls. No, I can't watch them that fast. But we're still going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.